Pray with me as we begin. Father, we love you, and we just cherish every time we come together as a church family. We love your word, God, and we treat your word with tremendous awe and respect. And so as we come into a time of opening the word and instruction from the word, we pray that our hearts would be tender, our hearts would be pliable, our hearts would be fertile soil for you to deposit in us all that you're wanting to speak today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, turn with me to Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12. And um, man, it's like a wind tunnel up, up here. I can't even keep my pages down. At least it's cool, right? That's great. Hey, if you need a Bible, raise your hand. We'd love to put one in your hands. Several years ago, I was having a daddy-son date with my youngest, John Mark. He's five now. I believe he was about three. And we were on Coronado Island, and we went to a fast food burger joint on the island, which will remain nameless, uh, although I think it's the only one on the island, so you could figure it out really quickly. But uh, I was having a little lower of a week, you know, and you know how it is when you're feeling that way. You're just hoping that people will be extra nice to you, a little more sweet than usual. And, and I walk in and get to the counter, and I knew right then that the manager of this establishment was not going to win Miss Hospitality. She, she, she kind of looked at me like, what are you doing in my restaurant, you know? And, 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 you know, I'm trying to make this a great little date for me and my son, and he wanted something and so, you know, I was going to get him a kitty meal, but he wanted something different on the kitty meal. And so I said, hey, is there any way we can kind of change this? Nope. Um, okay, you know, I'm, I'm willing to pay more. Hey, so what, 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 can we, what can we do? How can we kind of work this out? Nothing. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So anyway, I go, okay, okay well, we'll just get the kid meal, you know, and then I order my meal. And then it ends up, I get overcharged. And usually I just kind of let those things roll off my, my back. But, you know, when a restaurant says, have it your way, you know, I'm starting to think, well, I, I, you still haven't figured out what restaurant it is. And, and, and so, and, you know, my money was a little tighter right then. So I, I kind of start to talk to this manager and she just shut me down. And at that time, as an American, you know, you start thinking about your Bill of Rights. You know, you start thinking about all the business practices. You know, the customer is always, right, or go the extra. You know, just simple things we've learned throughout our life. But this manager, it was like I was a burden to her. I didn't even stay in the restaurant. I got my food and sheepishly, you know, licked my wounds and walked out of there with my son and made a vow that I would never return. Well, juxtapose that to the same year I, I had all four kids uh, to, my, to, to myself. My wife was, was gone somewhere. She's probably at the spa for the weekend or something. Just kidding. She'd never do that to me. I'm totally, I'm totally kidding. But I, I take my kids, which is already, you're already feeling vulnerable as a dad with, with four little kids. You know, we're not like you moms who can somehow shut off the noise around you. I don't know if you've ever been dads, if you've ever been in a car and your kids keep going, mom, mom, mom. And you're like, can you not hear them? You know, you hear every word of the mom's just driving along, you know, or, you know, and we don't have a third arm like you do moms. Like life is just more challenging for us dads when we have all the kids. I don't know why, you know, we're just not as gifted. And, and so anyway, I'm already feeling vulnerable 
But I choose one of God's greatest gifts to creation to take my children to that day in and out burger. I, I, I am unapologetic in my affections for In-N-Out Burger. I think God loves In-N-Out Burger. He even put a verse on the bottom of their cup. <clears throat> so I go into In-N-Out Burger. I have my four kids in tow with me. I'm feeling a little sheepish. You know, I'm looking around. In-N-Out Burger is so popular, you never know if you're going to get a seat there. So, you know, you, you go in a little, a little skittish. I get to the counter, and the cashier looks at me and goes, how are you doing? I'm like, oh, my heart. And, and, and then she, I haven't even ordered yet, right? And she's already busting out stickers and, hi, sweetheart, giving her my kids. My kids are lighting up, you know. I'm like, did I just go to heaven, you know? And, and, and she's handing these things. And then she looks at me and goes, don't worry, we'll bring your food out to you. Oh, my goodness. So we find a seat, which was another miracle. And, and, and we're sitting down, but... But then the nightmare of all fathers happens when you have your children without their mother there. My youngest looks at me and goes, Daddy, I need to go to the potty. No! Right? And so then there's a question that you have to ask. You know what this question is, parents. And, and you, you that aren't married yet, I'm, just, I'm giving you some equipping here. So just take good notes. You ask the question, number one. Or number two, because if it's number one, I can just send them with my oldest child. But if it's number two, then I'm all of a sudden the cleanup man, right? I've got, I've got the dirtiest jobs gig going on. So he's sheepishly so cute, but looks at me and goes, Ew. I'm like, no, 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 no. Because my kids are still too young to leave alone in a restaurant. So I am just perplexed. We got a, we got a potty panic kid going on. I've got three other kids. I, you know, I don't know what to do. Then, out of nowhere, the angelic cashier shows up at my table. I think her name was Amelda. She goes, did I hear that one of your children needs to go to the potty? Yes. She goes, I can stay with your children. I'm like, oh my gosh. This is, the, I, I, I am melting, right? I've just got in your arms tonight. You know, I mean, it is... <laughs> Where did that come from right there? Uh, so, uh, <laughs> that was fun. Um, okay, so, so I, I leave my kids with Imelda. And, and don't judge me for that because if you would have seen her heavenly countenance on her face, you would have done the same. I, I, I take my kid, he does his business, I wash my hands. And then, and then I come back and I'm like, Imelda, thank you so much. And she looks at me and goes, you got great kids. And I'm like... Wow, at that moment, I, I wanted to go home and buy stock in in and out okay I, I wanted to, I wanted to put in and out in every sermon from then on i I wanted to name my next kid Imelda. i i i I was, I was so blessed. you know that how people treat you determines your experience in life. How how people treat you determines your experience in life. So much so that when I choose a restaurant to go to, I don't just pick one for its food. I'm actually thinking about the quality of the service. I'm thinking about the people that are going to be in that restaurant sitting next to me. And and that is why my heart was overjoyed when Chick-fil-A came to San Diego. I see that there's some fellow Chick-fil-A Fans in the house. 
Okay, here's what I love about Chick-fil-A. You open the door the second you come in. Hi, welcome to Chick-fil-A. They welcome you. They're not angry that you're there. You're not a burden to them in their restaurant. And then you walk to the counter. They smile at you. They've actually hired people that want to be there, that have as their number one goal your positive experience. It's a, a, a revolutionary concept in fast food, right? And then this is, this is perhaps my favorite part. You're sitting there and they hand you your food. You say, thank you. They say, my pleasure. I love that phrase, my pleasure. And in fact, so many times in Chick-fil-A, I'll say thank you as many times as I can just to hear that. I'll thank them for everything, my pleasure. And I'll be like, well, thank you for the mint, my pleasure. Well, thank you. I, I love hearing my pleasure. I know I'm a little weird. You sit down in your seat and then they actually have people that walk around giving you extra ketchup. You're not evil for wanting ketchup. Remember when you got free ketchup and, and people didn't chintz you on napkins and ketchup? And, and they give you, and then they come around with mints. And then maybe, maybe the most heartwarming part is that they have these sweet little grannies walking around asking you if you want a refill. Okay, brilliant. Two winning, combina- winning combination, free refills and sweet grannies. That, it just doesn't get better than... Free refills and sweet, sweet grain. So I love Chick-fil-A, and, and, and therefore they have developed with their wonderful customer service, their, their great product, and their wonderful store atmosphere, this incredible loyal customer because people care how they're treated in life. And I, I just think it's funny, just, just to take you into it, if you're not quite yet sold as much as I am on Chick-fil-A, one of my favorite comedians picked this up and does a little song on Chick-fil-A. I want to just tickle your ears with it just for a second. Can we, can we show that song real quick? Isn't that sign just heartwarming? Chick-fil-A I could eat there seven times a day Where the people laugh and children play Oh, I'm in love with Chick-fil-A Suddenly I need waffle fries in front of me With some nuggets and a large sweet tea Oh, Chick-fil-A You set me free, kids get in the van so we can go there today, but their stores are closed, oh I know, cause it's Sunday. What a dirty rotten trick to play. Now I have to settle for Subway Oh, I'm in love with Chick-fil-A mm-hmm. Chick-fil-A. Isn't that great? I love it. Okay, so, so here a little more serious note. Why, why is Chick-fil-A run so differently, stand a head and shoulders above the rest of fast food restaurants? It's because... They actually live by core values. I just want to read you the, these core values that the founder, Truett Cathy, who is a, a God follower, he's a Christian, has, has devoted his comp- company to living by. So climb with care and confidence. And these are his quotes. I want to make sure that 
we're doing everything right before we go on to the next thing. Create a loyalty effect. People are the cornerstone of all that we do. Next one, never lose a customer. He says, I treat people like they are the most important person in the world. Number four, put principles and people ahead of profits. Isn't that great? He says, keep priorities, be a part of customers' lives and give back to the community. And lastly, closed on Sundays, it says, our way of honoring God and directing our attention to things that mattered more than business. You know, Truett Cathy understands that when we live out our core values, it affects how people experience us. And, and I want to say that even more so in the church, that we need to adhere to core values, that we need to find our central beliefs and live them out, and then it will affect how people experience us as Christians. We're, we're in a series called DNA. Uh, DNA stands for deoxyribonucleic acid, and it's the genetic code of who you will be. If you have blue eyes, it's because your DNA predetermined that, the DNA that's in you. And uh, reading a little article this week from one of our great institutions in San Diego, the, the Scripps Research Institute in La Jolla, they actually had an interesting finding that organisms can live with artificial DNA added to them, or they called it alien DNA. And so there, that you can actually add two different organisms, this alien DNA. And, and I want to say that I think that's a, a pretty clear picture, a, a pretty poignant uh, analogy of, of how we are in the Garden of Eden when God created us. Everything in us, our spiritual DNA was pure. We related to God in a perfect manner. We related to each other rightly. We related to the whole creation, which we were supposed to have stewardship over rightly. Then sin entered the world. Sin is like that alien or that artificial DNA that comes and affects how we respond. It affects our future. It alters our course. And so if, if, if you read the newspaper like I do, you've been really discouraged these past weeks as you look at the Israeli-Palestinian conflict and, and the people that are dying there, as you probably were following the story of thousands of, uh, of religiously persecuted people in Iraq that were, were trapped up on a mountain. Some were starving to death. You, you've read about ISIS, the, the, the different, that terrorist group that's been killing people, maybe the, the racial conflicts in Ferguson. It's depressing to see how people can treat each other in this world. It, it's amazing the heinous ways that people can, can and just have uh, travesties committed against other humans. And you say, how did we get there? And I want to say it's because of the DNA, the sinful DNA that's in people. And, and, and so in the midst of this, God is calling us, Jesus is calling us, to identify our spiritual DNA and to live that out. And the, the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, wrote to people in, in the midst of a worldly environment. Sometimes we think back at Bible times and we think, well, probably everything back then was just, you know, the green pastures and the quiet waters and someone just pinning these wonderful poetic thoughts to live by. No, it was a rough time in, in, in the biblical era. There was... 
you know, tyrannical leadership with, with Caesar. There was all kinds of societal injustices. And what we know is that no amount of legislation, no amount of education or information, although all those things are important and all those things are good, they can't change the heart. Only the power of the Holy Spirit illuminating the truth of God can actually come in and transform us from inside out. And so I love that the Word of God addresses to us as Christians the spiritual DNA that we're supposed to live out. So if you'll turn with me to Romans chapter 12, we're going to begin in verse 9. And it says this, it says, Love must be sincere because the apostle Paul, the writer of Romans is talking about how we are supposed to relate to other people. Love must be sincere, hate what's evil, cling to what's good, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves. Wow. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Don't be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what's right in the eyes of everyone. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it's written, it's mine to avenge. I'll repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, this is so amazing. If your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil by good. What a beautiful passage from Scripture. Now, let me just take you into the inner workings of all people's church for a few minutes. We are determined as a staff to lead this church in a godly and righteous and wholehearted manner. So we bring in a consultant every year from the outside to help us identify where our blind spots are. Because... Your blind spots, you can't see them, right? Your blind spots are blind spots. And so we want to know, are there places that we're lacking? Are there places where we're not living up to the the biblical principles? We're not living out all God's called us to be. And so we had a consultant in about a year and a half, two years ago. He he made a couple observations. The first was really encouraging. He said, you know, the, the, the culture here is really healthy. And, and that, was, that was deeply encouraging to us. But he interviewed every staff member that we had on staff. And he said this. He said, Robert, it doesn't seem that your staff has specific language of their expectations of how to interact with one another. I thought, well, that's interesting. I mean, we're real clear on the direction we're going. Get rocked. Get real give it away. But he said, no, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about how you actually interact as brothers and sisters in Christ. He said, so how do you think they get that? And I said, well, I, you know, I, I think that they probably get it from, from me and Steph. And I said, by God's grace, Steph and I had tremendous mentors who just loved us and we trust them so wholeheartedly. We actually have, both of us have great sets of parents who are godly following Jesus with all their hearts. So 
you know, I think we've been passed down all these values that we try to live out among ourselves. Of course, we're not perfect, but, you know, we came from healthy families. I think that's what we try to create. And he said, he said that's great. But here, here are three issues I see. Number one, everyone's not intuitive. Some people want things spelled out for them. They actually want you to tell them what's expected of them. They don't want to be guessing. They don't want to try to read behind the lines. It just out of curiosity, how many people are like that in this room? You're like, hey, don't make me guess. Just tell me what you want. Just tell me the expectation. Look, it's half the room. I'm not like you, but I love you. Uh, and, and so I thought, you know what? I, I, I need those people in my life. And so I want to make it more clear. He said, number two is this, Robert. You don't want just a healthy staff culture. You want a healthy church. You want your family, your, your, your church family, to be a healthy family. And everyone's not going to relate to you and Stephanie. In fact, most people in a church this big aren't going to. So how are they going to get it? They're going to get it if it's clearly put up before them. And thirdly, here's the sad fact. Most people don't come from healthy parents. They don't have parents that have stayed together that are seeking Jesus with all their heart, that have placed that into the family, created an environment of nurture and, and, and wholesome love. And, and so we need to redefine what a healthy Christian family looks like. And this is how, church, we came up with our relational DNA. We took it from Romans 12. I want to tell you that in our office is this plaque. And we keep it up. We refer to it all the time. It's what we call the all people's movement relational DNA. It says honor, hard work, hospitable and warm, honest and vulnerable, and healthy conflict. I, I want to unpack for you this relational DNA because what it is, is it's, it's basically the agreement of how we're going to relate to each other in this church. Now, now I, I'm a person, I don't like to be boxed in. And so when you say, hey, here are the rules for the game, I'm always like, oh, but, but what I know is this from, from, from coaching little kids in soccer, if you don't have rules, it's total mayhem. But when you establish rules, all of a sudden, two things happen. People know what's expected of them and they feel safe. And so I want to talk today about the rules of engagement in all people's church because it's going to bring a safety Force, and it's going to let you know an expectation for you and how you relate to the brothers and sisters that are in this room. And, and by the way, it's biblical. So you take this home and you add it into your family life and you're going to see the health of your family life just go up a few notches. So let's, let's start with verse 10. It says this, be devoted to one another in love. Say love. Because everything's based on love. If you're taking notes, write that word down. Be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves. Honor. Honor is our, our number one component of our relational DNA. All of these we see in the life of Jesus. In John chapter 4, Jesus is going on a journey. He comes to a well, a, a wayward woman, a woman who's who's been married five different times. The man she's living with now is not her husband. She's in the middle of adultery. She's a different ethnicity than Jesus, that the Jews who Jesus was despised. She's another religion than Jesus. Everything in society would have told him to dishonor her. Instead, 
all of a sudden Jesus is having this conversation with her. It's totally startling to her because she can't believe it. This is so out of the norm. But why is Jesus doing this? Because Jesus is the son of God who is perfect in love. And so he speaks honor. He doesn't condone what she's doing in her, in her sexual sin. He actually speaks to her clearly, but he honors her with his time, with his attention and with his love. Jesus goes on. He says, let the little children come to me. Children weren't given much value in those days. He brings the children near. Jesus was kind to the poor. Jesus was kind to government leaders, even ones that he disagreed with. He said, give taxes to whom taxes are due. Speaking of Caesar, a very ungodly leader. Jesus showed honor. This is one of the values we want. Here's the question to ask yourself, men and women. Every time you're interacting with someone, you're thinking first, is what I'm saying loving? Is what I'm saying bequeathing value to this person? One of the heroes uh, of this, in, in my mind, in our church is Raymond Alvarez. He's a very successful businessman, owns numerous restaurants, but he never acts higher than other people. In fact, you'll always see him making eye contact, talking to people of every age, giving them a high five, calling out the gold in them. He's a big encourager. And this is what we want to be. Every person in this church, no matter how lowly you feel like your position is, no matter how much you think you've made it in this world, that every single person is treated like the most important person in the world. That's the whole Chick-fil-A philosophy, right? That's what Truett Cathy said. I try to treat each person as if they're the most important person in the world to me. Guys, I fall short in this so many times. But this is what we want to do to establish and esteem people and give them that honor. And I want to tell you, people are healed when they come into a church. And I'm not just talking about physical healing. I'm talking about heart healing. When they come in and they feel honored. Don't you want to be a church like that? Don't you want to be a church of honor, church? Awesome. Number two, verse 11, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Our, our second relational DNA is hardworking. You know, so clear in the life of Jesus. Mark 135 says, while it was still dark, very early in the morning, Jesus got up to pray. He pressed in in the work of prayer. Jesus had people come to him when he's exhausted at the end of the day. He's going to get some rest, yet crowds show up. He doesn't send them away. Instead, he preaches to them. He heals them. He fed them. Jesus walking miles at a time, setting his face like flint, doing things that he didn't feel like doing. Jesus showed this this core value of hard work. I, I'm so proud to have a, a church full of people that are so hardworking. Rob Shield, who's a, a school teacher and on the school board of Grossmont, he, he's always the first one here. 6.30 a.m. He's getting in here, putting up the ACs, putting up the coolers to make it a nice temperature for us. I think about Glenn and Jackie Fromang, that they'll get here so early on those mornings that we have to feed hundreds of people, their team, and they just... They work so hard. I, the other day, I, I thought this was great because it's just, this is so clear of the, the, the Colossians 3, whatever you do, do it with all your heart, knowing you're serving the Lord. And it's so clear from the life of Jesus where he said, the son of man did not come to be served. God said, I didn't come to earth 
to be served. He said, but to serve and to lay my life down for other people. And I saw this last week with my father-in-law, Steve Herman, who came up and spoke with me. If you were here last week, he's our, our new life groups pastor. So he gets up and he's, you know, been given this position over, over numerous uh, groups. And, and, and I walk in at about 1.30, 1.45, almost everyone's gone. There's probably half a dozen of us left on campus just cleaning up. I walk in, and here's my father-in-law walking through each of the rows, picking up trash off the ground. And I thought, man, isn't that a picture of servant leadership? I was so proud of him. You know, what, what we believe is the more responsibility you gain, the more spiritual authority you gain, the more you serve and the harder you work. And that's what we see in the model of Jesus. And, and here's what I get afraid of sometimes. Uh, I, I, I heard a young couple the other day say, say the other day, they were like, yeah, that guy has the best job because he only has to work three hours a day and he just gets to play the rest of his life. And I was like, man, that kind of concerns me if, if we don't value work. I want to tell you that in the Garden of Eden, Work was given before the fall, before sin. Do you know that work isn't a curse, people? Do you know that work is a privilege? You're blessed if you can get up and go to work. There's so many people that are sick, that are ailing, that are handicapped, that actually can't go to work. You know, that's a gift that God's given you to work. And you know, it's a gift. Man, I'm not hearing many amens in here. Spirit of conviction is on this house right now. I got one amen for a guy that works for me. Praise God. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I just want to say, when you work, you're acting in the image of God, right? And, and now I also want to say, I love to play hard. I, I'll, I'll play anyone in this room. But we work and we play. And, and that is such an important part because we trust the person who's willing to work. Let me, let me just ask you, which, which mechanic would you want to go to? The one who says, hey, we'll get to it when we got the chance. Or the one who says, we'll crawl under your car more, we'll get dirtier, and we'll work harder than anyone else in town. Which mechanic shop are you going to go to? You're going to go to the second one, right? People trust hard workers. Here's the third value. I think we got that. This will be a little lighter. Hospitable and warm. Verse 13. Share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. I, I don't think anyone showed hospitality more than Jesus. He's about to die, and yet he prepares this upper room. He has this upper room prepared for his disciples, this, this feast. And then what does he do? He gets down, he takes off his robe, puts it around his waist, and starts washing his disciples' grimy feet. What's he doing? He's practicing hospitality. My, my mom was just the best at modeling for this, this for me growing up. I would come home from college, and she had this little this little plate that she wrote on with a marker. And whenever I get home, it would say, woohoo, Robert's home, time to celebrate. I know it was cheesy, but it meant a lot to me. And I'd drive up in the driveway. She'd drop everything she was doing. She'd run outside. She'd give me a big hug. She'd go, oh, my son is home. My son is home. And she'd ask me how I'm doing. She'd walk me right into the kitchen where she'd have a special meal or special snacks that I love prepared just for me. What did that speak to me? It spoke to me value. It spoke to me that I'm known. It spoke to me that I'm important. And I want to tell you that many people have never received that kind of value before. And we want to be a church that esteems them with that. Amen? You know, uh, some churches nowadays, 
say, we, we want to just provide anonymity. We want someone to come in and be anonymous. They can just sit on the back row and go on notice. And, and that's fine if they want to do that, but not in our church. Because I don't see that as a healthy family. In a healthy family, one of the kids doesn't just come in and kind of slip in. That, that's called neglect, right? That's unhealthy. You could have CPS called on you for that, right? In a healthy family, someone walks in, they go, hey, Johnny, what's up? Come on, pull up a chair, kick your feet up. Here's some queso, you know? And, 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 and Johnny, we love you. Man, where have you been? We miss you. That's how we want to be. I know we fall short. But that is what we want. We want everyone to feel welcome. We want people to feel invited. Listen to this email that I got just, just uh, a couple weeks ago, maybe two weeks ago. I got this email from a visiting pastor. He said, you know, I had a weekend off, so I came to all peoples to be refreshed. Well, first of all, I'm like, well, praise God that he felt like this would be a refreshing place. Then he said this. He ends the email saying, P.S., all people's church is the most welcoming, friendliest Genuine church I have attended as a visitor. And I know our faults, but I thought, you know what? We, I think we're heading in the right direction. Praise God. Let's just keep turning that up more and more. Okay? And I didn't pay him to say that. I, I, I'm so blessed that someone came in. Let, let's believe, church, that everyone, this, this church, in, in two weeks, at least historically speaking, September 7th, visitors will start coming in in droves into this place. Let's make sure that our arms are open, that we're not just talking to our friends. Your friends will be here after church is over. Let's get up and turn to the ones that haven't been here, and let's get to know them. And let's tell them we're glad they came, and let's invite them out to lunch, and let's show them the kind of love that God has for them. Amen? Are you with me? Don't you want to go to a place where everybody knows your name? And they're always glad you came, right? Amen. Next one. Honest and vulnerable. This comes from the little phrase in Romans 12. Don't be conceited. I don't think many of you are dealing with conceit in here. But here's what I know about Christians. Sometimes that we're not honest. We're not vulnerable. We try to act like everything is good. I, I was so impacted by the story of this young man who who grew up in a Christian family. In fact, his dad was a pastor, but he walked away from Jesus. And, and he was being interviewed by a counselor on why he did this. And, and he said this. He said, my sister died a grueling death as a child of cancer. And they said, oh, I understand. So you're, you're angry with God. And he said, no, no, that wasn't it. He said, one day I, I climbed into the balcony of, a, of our church building. And I was sitting there just grieving the loss of my sister. And I hear this other person come in down front and they walk up to the altar and they just start cursing and they're cursing God and screaming at God. And I see through the shadows, it's my preacher father just screaming and cursing God. And he goes, the next day, someone came up to him and said, I'm so sorry about the loss of your daughter to my father. And his preacher father said, it's okay. It's the Lord's will. And he said, at that moment, he decided to no longer be a Christian because if being a Christian meant you have to be fake and hide your pain and your problems that he didn't want to have anything to do with it. And I want to tell you, people, that the world is not looking for Christians to be perfect. The world is looking for Christians to be honest and real. They need to see that we have problems just like them, that we suffer, that we have pain, but that we have someone to go to in the midst of our pain. And that we have a family that rallies around us when we're at the lowest point. 
And, and that's what we need to do. And, and secondly, it's not just being honest and vulnerable with our pain. It's being honest and vulnerable with our sin. There's nothing that's more sad to me than Christians who live a sinful life and then hide it to the church. They hide it in front of the church. Listen, it's sad when when people are in sin. But I want to tell you that that's why Jesus died on the cross. He died on the cross to forgive you of sins. And we're all a work in process. And so we come and the Bible says, confess your sins one to another and then you'll be healed. And there's grace at the mercy seat of Jesus for your sin. We can work with you when you come and say, listen, I'm in bondage. I'm enslaved. I'm in sin. I'm confessing it. Help me out. What we can't work with is hypocrisy. What we can't work with is hiddenness when you're in sin, but then you act perfect in front of us because trust is built on honesty. And if we can't trust you, we can't live together. So come and be open. Don't stay. When you're in hiddenness, when there's things in your life that no one knows about, you're exactly where the enemy wants you. Did you hear that? When there's hidden sin in your life, you're exactly where the enemy wants you. But when you bring it out, you turn the lights on it. And what happens when you turn on the lights? All the rodents and the insects, they scram. You bring the light and that's what happens to the way the enemy's trying to attack you. He has to flee. That's resisting the devil by bringing your sin to the front. Don't live in hiddenness, people. We're honest and vulnerable and that makes trust flow from you to me. Makes trust flow from you to you. And it makes us a real church. Desperate for the grace of God. Amen? About to start preaching if you let me. Here we go. Verse 16. Got to wrap this up fast. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil from evil. Be careful to do what's right in the eyes of everyone. Jesus was willing to be confrontational to people when they hurt him or when they did something wrong, right? (laughs) For crying out loud, he said, get behind me, Satan, to Peter, right? That's not probably what you should say to your friends, you know? You know, Kelly, hey, Satan, get out of here. Yeah, don't do that to a friend in the church. But I do want to say Jesus was being honest and he was being real. This is how we do it in our church. We call it the sandwich technique. I'm just going to teach you something because this is really going to help you. This is what the Bible teaches. God speaks his love and his affirmation over us. And then he's very direct. He says, but I have this against you. You've lost your first love or you're, you're an adulterous generation or whatever. We're clear with someone. So this is how it would go. I'd say, Kendall, I'll take Kendall over here. He's pretty secure. Kendall, you're a man of God. Hey, I love you, man. You're one of my best friends. Kendall, I want to tell you, though, it hurts my feelings when you keep stealing my ice cream. Okay? But Kendall, hey, I, I know that that's not who you are. And, and I believe that God has great things for your life. And, and I'm excited to see all he has to do. Right? Simple. What, what did I do? I told him I loved him so he knew we have a relationship. I was clear with the conflict. I didn't say, Kendall, you always steal ice cream. You're the biggest ice cream thief in the world. I didn't say that. I just told him how it felt when he steals my ice cream. Okay? Then I left it with an encouragement. Kendall, hey, I know that that's not who you are. And I know that God has big plans for you. And you speak affirmation. Some of you in here in this room that have been Christians for a while, like, don't give me the sandwich. I don't want the bread on either side. Just give me the meat, you know, to slap me with the salami. I want to tell you, you need the sandwich. That's how God relates to us. God doesn't come and just slap you in the face with salami. He doesn't do it. He gives you the encouragement. He gives you the hope. And that's how we want to be. I got to move on. 
Okay, that's a funny visual illustration. Here's the deal. We we all, men and women, we all fall short. The, 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 The last verse of this is this. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. That's a preposterous statement. Live at peace with everyone. Who lives at peace with everyone? Uh, you're not going to live with peace with everyone. Jesus didn't live at peace with everyone. But I want to tell you, you're going to find your relationships so enriched. You're going to find your relationships so much more healthy. You're going to find yourselves getting along with people that you never thought you could when you start putting these relational DNA of the kingdom in your life. And here's the greatest thing. You're going to be able to go to bed at night. You're going to be able to put your head on your pillow and be free of guilt and shame because you're going to know that you're treating people like Jesus treated people. And what a relieving place to be. When we stand up, would you just pray with me now? Father, we want to be a church. We want to be a house that treats people like you treat people. And I just believe all over this room that you're rewiring us, that you're retraining us. And we just want to be a healthy church that has healthy relationships, healthy friendships, healthy marriages, healthy families. We want to be one that honors people. And most of all, we want to honor you, Lord. So do this work in us today. Can I have my prayer team come on forward right now as we just finish with one last song, if you need to give your life to Jesus today, if you don't know that you know that Jesus is living in your heart, if you're not sure you're going to heaven when you die, he died on the cross to forgive your sins. He rose from the dead, defeating the power of sin and death to give you a new life. You can have that new life today. Come forward right now. You can pray with one of our prayer partners. They'll give you one of these books that'll help you learn more about Jesus. If you're sick today, every week we want to pray for the sick. If something in the message has struck your heart and you said, you know, I have a lot of relational pain in my life. We want to pray for you as well. Whatever your need is, I just invite you to come. Whatever that need is today, you just come and receive prayer. Don't leave this place without getting prayer. And then I'd love to meet you in the back at the guest cafe. And and just to say one last thing is we have these... Uh, cards inviting people to our next series. I, I encourage you to spread those all over the city about loving your life, loving the things that Jesus loved. Let's, let's see a score of people come to Christ and be transformed as they hear about God's love for them.